Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director for APPA. We're joined today on this episode by Tracy LeBeau, Administrator and CEO for the Western Area Power Administration, which is the Department of Energy's largest power marketing administration. Tracy was appointed as WAPA's Administrator and CEO this past summer by Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm after serving in that role on an interim basis. Tracy is the first woman and first Native American to lead the Western Area Power Administration. Tracy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here, Paul. Great. So, um, Tracy, just to get our conversation started, could you talk about your career path um, leading up to your current role at Western Area Power Administration? Certainly. So, in many respects, and I would say particularly the financial and business management, as well as the federal policy roles and experience I have, I think all of these aspects of the job and of WAPA is just right in my wheelhouse. I've owned my own business and was central in the startup of energy development companies. At one point, I worked for an interstate gas pipeline operating company, and I've worked uh, in what is now, I think, the largest law firm internationally, Denton. So I get the private sector energy universe. Then, um, you know, I was actually worked on a little bit of the Obama campaign, one of the first times I've ever done that in my life. And I remember actually waiting in the DOE lobby during the first transition, talking to a good friend of mine, and both of us were agreeing that there was little chance of a cash grant program being passed, and who knew? Um, so right around that, uh, around 2011, I had an opportunity to join the Obama administration, the DOE, and at that time, so I was able to observe, you know, prior to joining DOE on the private sector side. And then again, from the DOE side, the Recovery Act rollouts, and then its eventual wind down. So I've had this really interesting and unique sleeves rolled up experience of federal energy policy and programs. And I've worked with a lot of the current federal players at DOE. So in a way, I feel like I'm home. I think what I didn't have for a while there was some hands-on experience in running utility operations on the ground. Then about five months before COVID hit, I was asked to step in and run WAPA's Desert Southwest region, which markets Hoover and other federal hydroelectric power and manages the maintenance and construction of over, I think, about 3,000 miles of high-voltage transmission. So boy, did I ever get some hands-on experience running a big, complex chunk of our business through a pandemic and extreme wildfires and rolling blackouts. It was all pretty nail-biting because we weren't just talking about, but actually dealing with a lot of known unknowns. So I always have to acknowledge our incredibly inspiring and dedicated professionals here. They just stepped up without hesitation during that time. And every day since March, 2019, when we sent the vast majority of our workforce home to work, but our 24-7, 365 workforce just motored on safely. And I think as a country, we owe them a lot of gratitude. So I've been well prepared for the job in a lot of respects in my career path. And I will say in the last two years has been a bit of trial by fire figuratively and literally. Thanks, Tracy. Um, yeah, so speaking of wildfires, um, that's, that's a, a nice segue into to my next question, which was uh, I want to talk to you further about that. Um, So, as you know, in September, the U.S. Forest Service issued new transmission line permits to WAPA to reduce the threat of wildfire ignitions um, from transmission lines. So, um, you know, I guess that background, could you talk about um, WAPA's ongoing efforts to reduce the threat of wildfires to your transmission system? 
Yeah, great question. And so very timely. So, you know, as you've noted, we've just had this increase of large destructive wildfires throughout the West, really. And it's a very alarming trend that we're facing uh, in operating through these types of adverse conditions, which drought does not make it any easier. Um, we've had a couple of uh, wildfires just even as you know, recently as last week. Um, one of them in Estes Park, Colorado, was halted by firefighters just one mile from two of our transmission lines. And last year's East Troublesome Fire near the around the same area destroyed and damaged several of our structures. And you know it's it, it's hard not to mention in 2018 the car fire in California caused some significant damage to our Northern California transmission assets as well as the Bureau of Reclamations and a lot of local utilities. So you know we we approach this issue not only from you know a, a system standpoint, but we've got a lot of our folks that live in those communities. So there's a lot of personal community losses involved in, you know, in, in all of these wildfire uh, situations. So we take that very response, uh, very safe, uh, take it very seriously. And one of the ways that we do address this is our vegetation management practices. And really what we focus on are two things. One is preventing ignition of wildfires from our equipment, and then also mitigating wildfire damage to our equipment. So it's good to remember that we've got uh, approximately 17,000 miles of transmission lines through 15 states. So we also encounter very different and unique ecosystems, um, different and unique grasslands, forests, mountains, um, desert, wetlands, rivers. Um, so we've got a lot to contend with and a lot to plan for. Um, and we've been pretty proactive, though, in our vegetation management program. Uh, we manage vegetation to conductor clearances well beyond which is required by both state and federal law. And all these recent events that you referred to has galvanized us into really high gear. And these serious fires have brought a lot of much needed attention to veg management from other governmental agencies as well as well state officials and even private landowners. Um, so you've mentioned the permits that we got from the Forest Service, and that's result of a lot of you know collaboration and increased cooperation amongst a lot of different state and uh, federal agencies, and that's going to result in you know veg increased vegetation management along 275 miles of transmission lines on Forest Service managed lands in Colorado and Nebraska. So we're looking forward to, you know, using this possibly as a precedent to increase cooperation uh, with our sister agencies to get uh, more of this vegetation management done. So just uh, switching topics, if I could, um, specifically uh, as it relates to electricity markets, um, California Independent System Operator this year signed an implementation agreement um, with the Western Area Power Administration Desert Southwest Region to participate in KISO's Western Energy Imbalance Market uh, in 2023. Um, so could you talk about the benefits that are expected to flow from um, the WAPA Desert Southwest region's participation in this market? Sure, I'll talk a little bit about the benefits and how we arrived at identifying what those are likely to be. So as you know, the energy industry in the West is undergoing a lot of transformation um, in the way that we 
generate and the way that we market and deliver electricity. It's like the new wild, wild west in a lot of ways. The legacy practice of you know, the normal and customary bilateral trading agreements is becoming really challenging uh, as a system and uh, operational complexity uh, it increases. It's been increasing year over year. And that really was the case and is the case for our desert southwest region. The combined impacts of coal retirements, of um, low natural gas prices, decentralizing natural gas and renewable generation, um, increased uh, variable generation resources, uh, and now even drought impacts hydroelectricity. So all of those are making our dynamic system even more so. So to help address it, uh, our WAPA Desert Southwest region partnered with our customers to analyze and identify solutions, and one of which was to join the California ISO's energy and balance market to alleviate some of these challenges to our balancing authority operations and our marketing operations. And our, so our Desert Southwest region will join um, our California region, which joined uh, the EIM earlier this year. And I'll say notably, early, also earlier this year, three of our WAPA regions joined the Southwest Power Pool's Western Imbalance Service Market. So you asked about the benefits. Um, we've studied and anticipate to see from joining the energy imbalance market, some of those benefits are similar to what we're seeing in our other regions, namely more economic dispatch of energy on a real-time basis and more efficient use of resources, mitigating, constrain, balancing authority operations, ensuring reliable delivery of hydropower while adjusting to the changing energy mix and really supporting some customers' desire to also integrate or facilitate uh, more renewable energy and more access to markets. So in my view, it's exciting to see what is occurring right now in the West. Feels a little chaotic um, sometimes, but I really see an opportunity here. And that's not speaking as necessarily as WAPA's administrator only, but in also as somebody who's passionate about the energy industry and its future. So um, just a quick follow-up question. You mentioned drought conditions. How concerned are you at this point about the, the situation with respect to that? Yeah, we are really, really concerned about that. Um, you know, and 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 some of some of some of the during the, this past summer, you know, we had um, some pretty decent monsoon rains and precipitation here in the desert southwest, which helped a little bit. But it's really the upper basin. We're also very concerned. Upper Colorado basin, excuse me, that we're very concerned about. So we've got a very serious drought conditions both in our uh, upper and lower. Colorado River basins. We've got a serious drought condition in our Sierra Nevada region. And, 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 and in actuality, we also have a growing drought concern in our upper Great Plains um, um, systems as well. But we were fortunate enough um, in the last year to, to have our reservoirs were able to uh, operate very well. So we've got some nice reservoirs to alleviate uh, any near-term um, impacts of drought in our upper Great Plains region. So, you know, we're, we're okay for the moment, but it's just something we're really watching very closely. I think at the end of the day, I think the simplest way I can summarize it is we can only market what's generated. Um, and so if 
electric hydroelectricity is not being generated at the dams that we market from, it becomes a bit of an existential and it's becoming more and more of an existential question about you know, what is our core mission and what are those expectations that customers have um, around delivering power um, that they need. So this is going to be a very collaborative, the need to have a very collaborative dialogue about roles and expectations and around solutions um, near term and long term with our customers is going to be very critical um, and very soon. You know, as you know, much of the country is, is already starting to experience some, some colder weather uh, as we approach the, the end of the year. Um, so one of the, in terms of timing, I thought it would be good to ask you about um, the fact that, you know, in, in earlier this year in February, uh, SPP grappled with extreme winter weather conditions that resulted in, in shortages and, and called on WAPA to reduce load in order to preserve the system. Um, so I wanted to, to know if you could talk about first what steps WAPA uh, took to effectively respond to this event, and second, were there any lessons learned that could be applied should such a scenario become reality again this winter? Thanks. Great question. You know, words like unprecedented and extraordinary and extreme and 100 year X or Y are getting tossed around a lot today. And I almost I worry sometimes that they're going to lose some of their impact, but it's really difficult to describe winter storm URI without using those kinds of descriptors. It really was historic and extreme. So the entire situation from temperatures to the amount of generation offline to the power outages to the energy demand was a lot to manage for the grid um, during URI. Our upper Great Plains region, uh, which is mostly in southwest, the Southwest Power Pool experienced its first rolling outages in our 80 years of existence. A few days before the cold weather event, uh, Southwest Power Pool did request us and the Army Corps to pool water for emergency generation in case it was needed, and it was, and we did. So the result of which was at around you know, just over 22,000 megawatts of additional hydropower was generated and delivered, supporting the energy needs of up to 800,000 homes during the event. But all those extra precautions just weren't enough. WAPA did have to do two rounds of outages uh, upon SPP's request. So 21 of our customers experienced outages uh, for about an average of 55 minutes, um, but as long as uh, two hours, and some of them in multiple different loads. For some of the larger electric co-ops, WAPA had to cut power at various delivery points at different times, but never curtailed the same load twice. So during that time, the wholesale power um, exceeded $4,000 per megawatt. We racked up about six years of average purchase power costs purchase power and wheeling costs in just four days. Uh, so we essentially ended up having to take out a loan on our repayment window to allow customers to recover this deficit over time instead of increasing rates immediately. So all of these exp extraordinary expenses hit our purchase power and wheeling reserve funds pretty hard. Our customers have been really proactive in also highlighting this event and effects on our reserve funding. We received some additional authority in the infrastructure bill to help us address this. But like I mentioned before, we've got a long-term outlook 
to contend with now and some difficult discussions ahead for our customers and us um, to start talking about what the future looks like um, should the you know the worst the drought worsens or extreme weather conditions or extraordinary weather conditions um, just continue to keep happening. So we've got, um, you know, we've got a few things that we're exploring right now with customers and are generating agency partners to mitigate impacts of these extreme events. Um, but given our 15 state footprint, there's no one thing that's going to solve it. And our diversity and our complexity will require all of the ideas. And uh, we're going to be starting those dialogues uh, in earnest here pretty quick. Could you outline for our listeners, Tracy, your long-term goals um, as WAPA administrator and CEO? Certainly. So we are at the precipice to begin a new year, so I think this is a great time to talk about this. I think first and foremost, I'm really committed to serving our customers with reliable and affordable federal hydropower and transmission services. That is our core mission. My touchstone goals areas are really um, the following. really going towards stability in our rates, reliability of our system, including resiliency, growing our, continuing to grow our leadership ranks, which I think is really important, um, and our culture. And two key aspects of our culture is remaining focused on our safety culture and amplifying our collaborative, inclusive organizational culture. So that means anticipating, preparing, and pivoting in a changing world to preserve the value of what we do, and but to also take advantage of, I think, the opportunities um, that are before us right now. And as we explore those opportunities, um, we need to address some of our long-term priorities and needs. So maintaining a sense of operational continuity and efficiencies is ideal. Um, But how that looks exactly is going to be tough to articulate right now. For instance, I referred to the drought earlier, but this enduring drought poses, like I said, some real existential questions for hydropower, uh, a hydropower transmission utility like WAPA. If we don't have the hydro to market, what's our role and expectations from customers? Another area of flux is the development of numerous energy markets including different types of organizations, different products, different services. There's a lot of shiny objects out there right now, and we need to be at the table, but it's also requiring some real discipline for us not to explore every single idea. We're balancing that now, and it's a lot of work. I mentioned safety earlier. That's a really a core and central priority to everything that we do. We are maintaining our commitment to safety and to advance our safety and organizational culture, which are incidentally synergistic if we do it right. And we continue to embrace inclusion, diversity, human performance improvement, and just culture. Many of our employees work in one of the most dangerous professions in the world. And we take that obligation to protect each other very seriously. And that includes providing a safe space, both physically and psychologically. So I'm confident, thanks to our incredible employees at WAPA and the strong partnerships we have with our customers, that we're going to navigate a lot of these twists and turns and serve the public well for a long time to come. 
Tracy, thanks um, for this great conversation today. Again, we really appreciate your taking the time uh, to speak with us. Um, and I'd like to extend an invitation to you to return as a guest on our podcast sometime next year. We, you know, we obviously covered a lot of ground today and probably a lot of areas that we can we can circle back to and, and get updates from you if 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 you'd like to do that. Um, consider yourself having an open invitation to to join us again. So thank you again. Thank you.